You are now listening to the Superhero Education Podcast, featuring Professor Eugene Pitchford and Dr. Steve Gurner. We are real educators tackling the real topics in education. Listen to be informed, inspired, and entertained. With no further ado, here are your hosts to the Superhero Educators Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Superhero Education Podcast. This is Eugene and Steve. How you doing, Steve? It's going well. Hey, this is a special edition. We are in the midst of the coronavirus. Schools have been shut down. Life as we know it has been shut down for a little bit. And Steve is like, hey, let's, let's, let's do a show on this. So you're getting an in-the-moment special edition of the Superhero Education Podcast. Now, Steve, uh, a month ago, I'm not quite sure if any of this is on our radar. Was it on your radar? It was not on my radar. I think the first time it really, really when I got the sense that this is something serious because I was getting, before that I was getting the, the information that this is, this is really uh, the flu, um, not that big a deal. And then I heard the NBA canceled their basketball season, and that's what really drew to my attention to go, if the NBA is canceling their season, something else is going on here that's much more serious. And then I heard much uh, more reports of baseball, Major League Baseball suspending their season, and then just around our country, the news of canceling of various events but it really was the nba that sparked it for me to go we're in unusual times very unusual times for me it was a couple days before the cancellation when you started noticing uh getting direction from people to not shake hands to not give not give high fives when uh there was more conversation on how was the virus transferred and where it came from uh, that, so maybe I might have been maybe a day or two ahead of you, but uh, I think we're in the I think we're in the same boat, um, and that's when we both realized that you know this is a little bit different from from whatever's been going on um, around campus. And then you start hearing students talk about it, and you know they were all riled up probably a lot more than we were. So that kind of forced me to pay attention in, in a different way, also. So, so Steve, so here's the million dollar question. How have you been influenced or affected personally by the virus? Personally, we've been very fortunate myself. It has affected presentations that I was scheduled, some traveling for a presentation in Texas. There was a couple other presentations that got canceled. So professionally that affected, um, the, uh, the presentations, which would be obviously some also some marketing and, and financial that would have benefited me as well. Also, I think personally what factored in was a lot of uh, events as far as dinner auctions, uh, special evenings, all, all those got canceled as well. So I, I think personally it hasn't hit me as much because I, th- I just think um, those events can be rescheduled, those can be postponed. But I really mix, uh, my prayers go out to those that it affects their livelihood in the sense of the day-to-day work. 
uh, the part-time workers, the service industry. There's a lot that a lot of people that are getting devastated by this that I think we have to continue to pray for and, and really think about how we can assist them. All right. So for me, uh, obviously, we had to go pick up our son. His school, his university gave a deadline and said all students need to be out by a certain date. Um, so now he's doing the rest of his classes online, uh, having two daughters in one, um, actually one daughter in middle school, one daughter in high school, just the transformation of their education from school to home um, has affected us with trying to ensure some form of routine. Um, they're anxious also. So, you know, just trying to work that out with them. Um, obviously from a work standpoint, um, most of my work now will be online versus face-to-face. -face. I did have a presentation in Sheboygan that was canceled because of the virus concerns, but, but was able to pick that up um, online. But I'll tell you something interesting. So I've been watching the news a lot, and you see these arguments over can people get tested, can they not get tested? So that's one thing that has affected me also. Um, I do have a, a family member that has been around someone is confirmed that does have the virus. And just watching the process of how you go about attempting to get tested is rather amazing. Uh, this family member up to this point has not been able to get tested, although they were in the same room um, with the person and it was that person's classroom. So that part has been interesting to watch. Just seeing, just seeing individuals, family members frustrations on who have thought, who, who, who think they have been exposed to the virus and, 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 can't, and can't obtain a test. So that is, that is a little bit interesting. And, We're and in uncharted waters here. This is, I, I think you're bringing up the point of the anxious, think of the anxiousness of, of our country, the, the students who abruptly left their, their classrooms, graduations that are uh, possibly will not happen parents having to navigate with, with their children home now in their work environment. So the anxiousness, you use that word, and I think that's, that's what's happening across our country because we don't know the deadline. So if we knew this will last two weeks, I think people can plan for this. If this lasts for a month, I think people can plan. But having the unknown is very difficult for people. And then you see their, re, their actions would be, uh, that's why you're seeing there's, there's hoarding of toilet paper. It makes no sense. I don't get it. There's anxiousness. There's a fear that will be unrational then, right? People aren't thinking rationally, logically, because how long will this last? No one knows. How will the testing work? No one, people are figuring that out now. So I think that's what really factors into the anxiousness and the concern for a lot of people. So, Steve. Let's look at this from a teacher standpoint. I'll start with you on this one. How does the coronavirus affect daycare teachers, K-12 teachers, professors? Like, where are we at right now from an from a educator standpoint? I'll say this, this affects teachers in two ways. Negatively, I think what happens when, you leave, when teachers are forced to leave the classroom, it affects them negatively as far as all the lessons they had prepped, and now they have to quickly pivot and shift to, a, to an online to make sure they're there for their students online to make sure they have the resources to figure out how they can teach and present online 
when they when they didn't have any prep time or any kind of uh, lead time to do that. I think that's a negative uh, aspect of for teachers. That the positive thing I see for teachers is really the respect that that I feel before was not there totally in our country for teachers. And I think now, because of this, I think it really opens people's eyes to the to the power of teachers, to the impact of their teachers. As, there's, as parents are home with their children realizing this is very difficult work, as they're understanding their teachers' efforts now and everything that goes into it, I think the respect level has increased. And that's positive for teachers because a lot of times you don't see what's happening inside the classroom very few people see the wonderful work of teachers day to day and now you're seeing a glimpse of that and that's positive for teachers all right i, I think it affects teachers in, in a way in which we as a group we have to do more with technology at this time and so um it forces us to to get into that realm even if we did or did not want to be there so that could be positive or negative. Uh, I can see it going both ways. Um, it also influences the teacher. Now, I know we've talked about this offline, but I really do think that we're going to get so many families that may potentially choose homeschooling or may, may choose um, online education for next fall. Um, so I, I do think that is also a, a, a variable that, that classroom teachers have to consider. Like you have to see that that's where this is going. Now that may work or may not work, but just being in the moment, I, I, think, I, think, that's, I think that's definitely on the next. Um, and, and, and maybe there's some educators out there looking for that next thing to be, to be ahead of the curve. So, I mean, once again, it could be positive or negative. Steve, I'll lead the conversation with students and then you can chime in how does this affect students well obviously their school year um abruptly comes to a, uh, a to an end um just just watching my daughters um just the need to to have a routine or just the effects of having that routine broken um i know my daughters get a like a thousand emails so like organization skills have to be focused on um while this learning opportunities are happening at home. Um, it does take the socialization away um, from a learning standpoint, but outside of school, I mean, uh, you know, the kids are on their phones, FaceTiming, Google Hangouts or Snapchat or whatever they're doing. So that part may not be, um, be that different, but those are the things that just jump off the page for me for students. What, what are you seeing for students? Yeah, I think students, are there right they're present but are they engaged that's my concern as we as we fully go into this with with no warning are they fully engaged are we saying now that that students across our country in this online format across are the world engaged, or are they just clicking through through the process and that that's probably my concern as we talk about students well and and I, I I totally uh I, I totally agree with you. But while you were saying that, I was also thinking about the student that wasn't engaged face to face. Yes. 
That's a, that's a great point. So is this increased because it fits into their, into their world? Correct. Uh, I, I think that's, that's the data that I'm very interested in getting as we're, as we're in the process of this. How is it, how is it affecting students? What are we seeing? What kind of results are we seeing? Is it, and I think what we'll see is, right, it's not, a, it's not a one size fits all. Like we know it's a personalization. So for some students, it's going to fit very well and others it's not in a big concern that we have to be be concerned about is social economics and how that factors into this if i'm in a middle class or higher income bracket i have the technology i have the wi-fi i have the chromebooks i have other resources that i can always go to if i'm not in that middle class upper income I'm concerned for those families about internet access. I'm concerned about having the resources. I'm concerned about someone being there uh, to monitor and to assist. I think this is the problem that we really have to address as we continue down this path is how do we make sure that there's equity as we deal with uh, online learning and personalized learning through technology. Absolutely, I, I couldn't I couldn't disagree with you. Um, let's look at it. I'll matter of fact, you'll start this one from from a parent standpoint. How are parents affected? I think parents are enjoying this time. I'm seeing a lot of reaction um, through social media of the spending the time that, and I'm seeing I'm seeing games. I'm seeing family dinners. I'm seeing different art projects. I'm seeing science experiments on the kitchen table. I'm seeing outdoor activities. So I think we're in this initial early stage. I think we're seeing some uh, going almost going back to that. Let's let, we were so busy before. Let's pause a little bit and enjoy this time together. So I think parents are are really stepping up in this initial phase and, and enjoying this process. Now, will that continue? Will that wear off? How long are we in this and what will be the effects of that? I'm not sure, but I think these initial stages, the effects for parents I, I see are, are very positive because also they're understanding the difficulty of teaching, of being present all the time. And so I think it's, it's helping parents. I think again, the social economics definitely come at play here, and how that. So I think we're we're in two different realms again of how it affects parents, and it all factors. For me, it factors on its social economics. All right. So some parents I think are really enjoying this, and some are are, are terrified. Speaking to several parents with older children, you definitely feel the difference on the pocketbook for grocery shopping. Um, I can I can attest to that in our house. Um. Uh, we also have to make sure that they're getting uh, physical education um, as weather permitting, just so we're not in the house cooped up, just constantly eating snacks while we're working. Um, that affects that affects parents. And and honest, honestly, there's some parents that just anxiety. When will my child go back to school? Like the structure is broken for the parent. And the, and the one piece uh, with the parent, it's not about just educating your child now or making sure the Wi-Fi is on, but it's also, they may be going through trauma themselves of not being able to work. Um, there's a lot of people 
um, whether in poverty or not, they're just, they just aren't working right now. And their mind may not be into, as bad as it may sound, to making sure someone's doing this work packet or making sure someone is checking it online for Google class assignments and, and, and all of that. They may be going through issues themselves. And so we wanna make sure that as much as we wanna support the students, we also wanna support uh, the parents who may be having probably more of a, a harder time during this transition than maybe some of the students. So let, let's keep our prayers and thoughts with all, with all parents. Now, Steve, we want to transition a little bit into during this phase now, what is the best way to academically engage students? The two things I'm hearing and seeing the most are online formats in which the, the teacher is recording herself teaching or is a live feed. The teacher is actually taking the classroom to their kitchen table, to their dining room table. I, I'm seeing recorded lessons to where the kid just needs to hit play whenever they want to hit play. And I'm seeing work packets, whereas as an amount of work, we get it to you, and then you get this work back to us. For me personally, I prefer like the online learning as best as possible, but that's just me. Like, like are you seeing something different? And, and just based off, off that, What's your favorite method of this point uh, for, for engaging students? I believe that the, the more engagement, however that can be, is going to be, have the greatest impact. So work packets are at the lowest level of that, right? If um, I think they're necessary, I think you need to have some kind of um, activities, right? So we we're not prepared fully to do this online version right now, so I just need to get some packets out to students. That makes sense. Uh, but that's the lowest form of engagement. I think if you can push, superhero educators can push for the highest level of engagement would be interaction with their teachers through some video format. I think the middle of the road would be a uh, recorded, idea of I'm recording, I'm the teacher, I'm recording the lessons, and it's, it's, I'm giving you that uh, to my students, pushing that out to my students. But I think the best format is if we can actually engage, if the teachers can actually engage. So through video conference, through some question and answer, through some uh, teacher website, that they can actually engage with their teachers. So you can personalize it that way because you're getting individual questions from the students. So I think the higher the level of engagement, the better in this process. Much like we would say in the classroom as well. You can, if this was the traditional classroom and you're back in your, in your classroom, worksheets and packets would be, would be, that would be fine, but that's a lower level of engagement rather than the teacher individually working with you and coming around to your desk and interacting with you that way. So I, we need to push to the highest level of engagement and that's going to be some kind of feedback with the teachers and students. Uh, totally agree. Um, while you were saying that, I totally, totally agree. While you were saying that, I was also thinking of one barrier. For a child or for a family that does not have Wi-Fi at all, um, how can we, Absolutely. Best, that how can we best, best meet the needs of those kids? Absolutely. I'm hearing now. 
Google's doing some things that are helpful. Wi-Fi providers in your local regions are, are doing some discounting or providing free services. I free think service. those are all things that companies are stepping up to because otherwise we have a big problem with uh, barriers to, to student learning. And I would, I would consider in those cases, maybe it, it may be the work packets. There, there may be no other option. Um, but I do know that a lot of places across the nation, a lot of the cable providers have uh, have stated that they're willing, have stated that they're willing to 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 help out. Um, I did put that question out there to um, a coronavirus educator Facebook page. I just want to share with you a couple couple of the examples that um, was shared to me. Uh, let's see here. The question was posed. How are you engaging kids that do not have Wi-Fi at home? Um, a lot of packets, a lot of end of the year projects, like uh, multi-subject uh, discipline projects. Um, our district is providing technology and wireless hotspot. Cable companies providing free internet. Hotspots came up again. Uh, free, free hotspots, packets. Now, one person says, sadly, a few of those may be great, um, but um, where we live, there's there is, it must be a rural area that isn't cable. Um, packets, once again, they're using Zoom. This one person said their district has a no online process. I'm not so their only option must be packets. So we're we're hearing we're hearing packets, and we're hearing uh, try to get the free cable. Hey, and you can see the problem. The problem with that is the time frame, right? So right now, there's students that their districts were, were already doing online learning, already had the means, social economics to provide the computers, the technology, and everything else. So as they're already going full speed ahead. And now the other side's dealing with, well, maybe we'll get some internet connection. Maybe we'll get some, besides some packets, uh, we'll get some other online venues. And so what we created, and it's, it's the reality, it's, I don't think uh, anybody can be blaming, be, have blame because we're in this such a fast pace, but we have two different learning venues going on now in the country. And, that, and that's going to be the unfortunate as we measure those results. I'm not sure we're going to see the same results. I think we're going to see great disparity in what was happening because of, of what we had to be forced to go online with little prep time. All right, so Steve, we're gonna give you a scenario. We're gonna fast forward to June 12th. I have no idea what day of the week that is, but that sounds like a Saturday, at least in my mind. June 12th sounds like a great day for eighth grade completion ceremony. June 12th sounds like a great day for fifth grade completion ceremony. June 12th sounds like a great day for a college graduation. At this point today, knowing what we know right now, which is probably not much, what should those schools do? On, on Friday, you listed a Friday. I believe the schools need to keep the graduations, they need to keep some kind of ceremony, some kind of celebration, because if we do come out, when we do come out, as we will, 
when we come out of it, we need to celebrate. So we need to realize as a country, we did took these action steps and we were successful. As a school district, as a family, there needs to be celebrations to say, look at what we've done and look at where we're at now. So let's celebrate our success. So I think school districts need to make these happen. Now, I'm not sure the June date makes sense. I'm not sure, um, but I would keep I would keep a date out there in June. I would keep a July date ready to go. I'd keep an August date, but we definitely need to celebrate. We need to celebrate their success there. If we're saying we're giving these students this amount of time and this work, they will graduate. It will be a, a great celebration. And let's, let's keep those dates on the calendar. That, that's where I'm coming from uh, with the celebration of success and what we've overcome. I've tried in my mind, and I have not been successful. I'll be honest to the listeners out there. I've tried in my mind of having some form of completion ceremony online, and I just can't figure it out. So if I can't figure it out, it's probably not a good idea. Um, but I'm guessing if things are going the way it is right now, I hate to say this, and I don't want to be the the guy sending the bad news, but there probably won't be face-to-face -face graduations, which will suck for eighth graders, will suck for 12th graders, and will suck for uh, college, people getting their college degrees. I just don't see it right now. Now, if things turn around, I, I'm, I want to be wrong. I really do, but I just can't see you putting together a venue by June where you're going to have a bunch of people from all across the country in one spot. I just don't see it. I just don't see it happening. And for those students who are in eighth grade, who are in 12th grade, who are graduating from college, with their masters, uh, bachelors, doctorates, uh, it's important that please don't, please don't think all of your work is for nothing. Like, like, like understand your work matters and this is going to propel you to, um, a better future. It just, it just, we just may not have a physical completion or graduation site, which, which really does suck for the, for the, for the people in the position. But I just don't, I, I can't see something saying, hey, hey, people, come, come together and meet. I, I just don't, I just don't see it. I have a high school daughter that's a senior, and I have a, a son graduating from college, and I think you you hit on the point of the planning. I do think by June, we're in a whole different situation and we're back to normal. Um, and I'm putting normal in quotes. We're back to uh, a situation where we can go on in life. But the planning piece of what you said is going to be the difficult piece. If we have those dates, will we be, have enough planning time and will people feel comfortable traveling and being in those big areas, will we have enough time? But I'm hopeful that by June we're, we're, we're back to where we need to be and we're celebrating um, what we've overcome. I hope you're correct. One last thing before we wind the show down. Now, whenever you go through uncharted water, people get their feathers ruffled. And one of the little mini wars that I see breaking out is traditional education versus homeschooling versus online education. 
Like it's 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 forcing for all the things that people said you just couldn't do in education, not in a physical classroom, like we're doing it right now. Sure. And I and I think the debate, I think these debates go on. We've talked in the past, some of our previous podcasts about private versus public education. I think this this is an expansion of that debate, right? If it's traditional homeschooling or online. And my stance has always been there needs to be options for parents, right? So there's, they can all be great options for parents if they're all high quality. So if they're high quality, if it's high quality traditional education, we need to have that option. If it's high quality homeschooling, we need that option. If it's high quality online education, we need that option. It's if, if the imbalance comes in if one of them's not high quality, we always have to choose the high quality one and we all need options for, for parents and students because we need to personalize as much as we can. So Eugene, you may be very good in a homeschooling and you may need that format. And for myself, I may need the traditional education. So personalized, high quality, and then whatever new venue or format comes to play, we say, is it high quality and is it, is it, provide another option for parents and students, and then we can get on board with that. And my opinion is I'm predicting a 30% jump into homeschooling and or um, online education by the fall. I think there are people who are, who will be willing to, because of the virus, and find some form of success, whatever that parent judges for success, I, so I, I do think you're going to have a dip in traditional education and it has nothing, nothing against traditional education. I just think often as a society, we're always looking at next. And I think the next is, 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 is here, is, is, is here right now. So I, I am predicting um, a slight dip in traditional education and more and more students into online and, and homeschooling. But most important thing we can say, we can say for our show is stay safe practice social distancing. And if you're not feeling good, you wanna make sure that you uh, attempt to see your physician. Um, don't take it light with people, especially young people, don't take it light. Um, a lot of people are getting sick, a lot of people are dying and we wanna keep you healthy and listening to our show. So like we wanna make sure, and we talked a lot about education, but the most important thing is we wanna make sure that you're safe and healthy. Um, Dr. Gerner, Center for Urban Education Ministries. Sure. I want everyone to uh, get connected with the Center for Urban Education Ministries. That organization is relentlessly strengthening urban education. Get connected on the website, get connected through social media, see how you can connect and be part of the great movement that's happening in urban education. All right. For me, I'm going to tell everyone, go to Amazon, go to Barnes & Noble and type in keyword search superhero educator it's a book that dr gerder and myself uh, uh wrote with co-wrote with each other also want to point you to the direction of the book gumbo for the soul volume three um yours truly wrote chapter 53. so on that note good people we hope you enjoyed the show stay safe stay healthy and we're going to see you one week from now one week from now and as always continue being a superhero educator we're out Thanks again for listening to our Superhero Education Podcast. 
We hope you gained valuable insights and key concepts to battle the chaos and save the day for all students. Boldly transform lives and be a superhero educator.